0: From our changing bodies, to our relationships, to dealing with menopause and ageing at work and in society, my mission is to help you to tap into our collective wisdom so you can emerge more powerful, wiser, not just older, thriving and ready to embrace wholeheartedly the next chapter in your life. Welcome everyone to another episode of Thriving Through Menopause. I'm your host, Clarissa Christensen. And today I have a special guest that I have the privilege of sharing a stage with twice this year, a virtual one. And that is Emissieta Clark. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much, Clarissa. Thank you. And I really appreciate you inviting me on the show. Happy to continue this conversation.
0: I know when we, many of us started back in September and You're a health coach, a speaker, and a wellness advocate, but you weren't always that, were you?
1: No, yeah, I'm actually, I am an attorney as well, and um, I'm still actually practicing law. I used to practice corporate law and work really, really crazy 80 to 100 hour weeks, so I'm not doing that anymore, thankfully.
0: no. And I know that you have a particular health story that you've shared when we were together. I'd love for you to tell your listeners a little bit about your health journey, because I know it's very integral to the way you work, isn't it?
1: It is. Thank you for allowing me to share that. When I was 25 years old in law school, I was diagnosed with a rare autoimmune disease called myasthenia gravis. And an autoimmune disease is one in which the body, the immune system mistakenly attacks the body. So instead of just attacking viruses and outside invaders, the immune system attacks its own tissues and and organs. And in myasthenia gravis, it attacks the muscle nerve receptors. So our nerves send signals to our muscles to do Do certain things such as open your eyes, move your hands, your legs, chew, swallow, breathe. And the immune system attacks that juncture. And for me, my first symptoms were blurred and double vision. I actually experienced these symptoms when I was driving back to law school and I was on the highway going at 70 miles an hour. So definitely, actually, the anniversary of that is is coming up. It was 18 years ago, uh, next week, and absolutely the scariest day of my life. Uh, I didn't know I was going to survive it, but I was thereafter diagnosed with myasthenia. And I was, as I mentioned, in my third year of law school, I was about to graduate. I had a good-paying job lined up at a major law firm in New York City And I continued with my plans of pursuing that. And I took all the drugs, the conventional medications. The way they treat myasthenia is to put you on immunosuppressant drugs. And not just myasthenia, but most autoimmune diseases. Because the immune system is mistakenly attacking the body, the way conventional doctors treat it is to suppress the immune system so that it doesn't attack certain parts of your body. But then, of course, you're susceptible to everything else. So I took all of those, took immune suppression drugs for four years. Uh, Then I started taking steroids that work similarly. And I even had surgery uh, that was supposed to help with myasthenia. And throughout this whole time, I was having a difficulty with work. I didn't want people to know about what I was dealing with at work. I I didn't want them to treat me any differently. I wanted to do the work just like anyone else. So no one knew that I was I was taking all these medications and I was struggling to see at times. And I after i had the surgery things actually got worse it was supposed to actually help me but i started experiencing even more blurred vision to the point where i would see cars underneath the highway on top of the highway crisscrossing um it, it was it was terrible i've been able to find some images that represent what it it looked like now um to show people and Then I started experiencing weakness in my hands and in my legs. And I talked to my doctor. I remember I was at work and I used to do mergers and acquisitions and private equity deals, billion dollar deals. And, you know, people are paying a lot of money for us to do the work and, you know, work all these hours. And I couldn't move my fingers like I couldn't type like that's like an integral part of my job. And my doctor told me that things, even though I had the surgery, things would get worse before they got better and that I should go back on the steroid that I had been on previously. And at that point, I had begun to do some research and I knew that the steroids could cause osteoporosis, glaucoma, and diabetes. And he told me that because I was young I was 31 at the time. And on a low dose, I didn't have to worry about it. So I went back on the steroid and thankfully my vision cleared up. My hands could move. I could type. And the my leg, I could actually walk again. But four months later, I was diagnosed with osteoporosis when I was 32.
0: Wow, that's just such a high price to pay, isn't
1: it? I mean, it is. It is, and you know, at the time, I didn't think that. You know, I listened to my my doctor who told me that, although those were side effects, because I was young, I didn't have to worry about them; that they wouldn't affect me. And that definitely has changed. (laughs) The way I work, and even gotten me into health coaching and nutrition and wellness, because that was the turning point for me in my journey. Um, I wasn't as upset about the the osteoporosis diagnosis. Of course, I was upset about it, but I was even more upset about the fact that my doctor told me I wouldn't get it. <laughs> and you know, I feel like there were things. Of course, we don't know whether if I had done those things. Whether or not I would have gotten it, but at least try to do some things to protect against the side effects. And he didn't tell me any of those things, like uh, t- taking calcium, vitamin D, and.
0: No, and I think and that's not an exercise. unfamiliar story, is it? That for people on immune diseases who get given steroids, that they get, yes, they could be a side effect, but they don't get the advice of how to mitigate that through changing lifestyle.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I've seen that a lot now. But for me, at that point, I was really fed up and I knew I had to do something different, differently. And I went to see a naturopathic doctor. I She told me about an anti-inflammatory diet. I changed my diet, I stopped eating dairy, I started juicing, eating all organic. And then I started exploring other modalities, acupuncture and chiropractic care. And I started learning about environmental toxins in plastics and body products. So I started reducing those and changing the products that I clean with and put on my body and then i re- also realized that the job was not uh helping at all it was actually contributing to the disease uh, to the flares that i was having and i decided to do something less less stressful so i i quit my job as well and it's it's been over 10 years now that i've been medication and symptom free so it works. <laughs> yeah, it it, it 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 works. And I was so intrigued about the fact that all these things that I did that were in my control actually had an impact that I decided to explore nutrition and I became a holistic health coach. And then I, you know, founded um, my business and I, I help other women with chronic illnesses and autoimmune diseases to
0: really take control of their
1: health.
0: That's amazing. And I think that, I mean, you're living proof that making, well, quite big shifts, actually, I would have said. They weren't really that small where they Theater to change so much from where we were has had such a profound effect. That's fantastic. Thank Um, you. I mean, listening to that, I mean, you, you really said some very key things. And I think that was about an anti-inflammatory diet, but also the elimination of toxins. Talk a little bit about some of the key principles of uh, living clean. How would you describe those?
1: So I think living clean, we want to live as as clean as we can you know, based on our, our circumstances and our finances. Because, you know, a lot of the things that I have done and the food that I eat is more expensive than conventional food foods. But I do feel that a lot of us do spend money on different things that we could cut back on. And if we want to prioritize our health, we can we can spend the money there. But Eating clean, it's just living as with being aware of what we're putting on in and around our bodies. I think that's, that's key. One is to have that awareness because I wasn't even aware that the food I was eating. Of course, my mom talked about organic food before, but I didn't really think it was that big of a deal. I didn't realize. All the things that are in our conventional foods. And I know you're in Europe and the standards there are different and higher than the standards here in, in the United States. So I think the food supply is is cleaner. The you know traditional food supply there is cleaner than here. But I wasn't even aware of that. So one is, you know, becoming aware of that. And it's not just putting what what we're eating. Uh, someone asked me. Not too long ago about changing your cleaning products and your body products, she said some people would say that's extreme, but our skin is our largest organ, and we absorb sixty percent of what we put on our skin and even if you're cleaning, how many of us have cleaned with bleach, and you know the smell is so repugnant that you know, you need to wear a mask or you don't want to be around it for so long. Those things have toxins. So, to answer your question, one of the key principles one is being aware, two is just reading, reading labels. So, read not just your food labels and reading the back label, but reading the back of your body products, the back of your cleaning products, not just the front. I've actually found that a lot of Companies put advertising on the front, but information on the back.
0: Yes, and and I think sometimes we don't know what that information means. Do we, Right. Yeah, it's kind no, of that. just E E E and some chemical name. But those right. are the ones that we should be concerned about to a large extent, shouldn't we?
1: Right. So it's becoming educated as well about some of those those chemicals as well. Because you're right. When I first started looking at things, even things in food, I didn't know what all of all of those things meant or what they were. But it's becoming educated about it. And the question you asked me or the comment you made after I told my story, you said I made major changes. I did. But some people become overwhelmed by that. And you don't have to do everything at the same time. Like for me, I was desperate. I was fed up and I was willing to do anything to heal. So I did make a lot of big shifts in a short period of time, but not everyone has to do that. When I talk to clients, I don't give them 50 things to do all at once. You know, you start changing one thing at a time.
0: Exactly. (laughs) yeah (laughs) otherwise it's like oh boy how do i manage this and i think you said something about becoming educated are there any good resources that people can go to to be to gen up if we like about what all these ingredients in our food and body and cleaning products are
1: I do have a a resource here in the States and I should have done some research to see what a comparable source would, would have been in, in Europe, but I can, I can share that and I'm not sure whether they do have uh, information about products that are not, not here um, in the U S but in the U S there's a group called the environmental working group that is a nonprofit organization that. They do a lot of research on toxins, so they have all these guides about food, water, your body products, and your cleaning products and that's one of the resources I've also taken a number of different courses um because you know this is what i what I do, but for that's what I started looking at the e w g the environmental working group and they are you familiar with them?
0: I'm familiar with them, yes. I've downloaded some of their stuff as well.
1: Oh, Okay. So, do, do you know if they have they cover products that are not just in the US?
0: No, they cover the US only, but I think we have similar resources here within the EU that would okay. say what is legal. And you're right, the law here is a little bit more stringent. But right. that doesn't say that we don't have a lot of added, non-body-friendly ingredients in our products.
1: Right, right. But yeah, so if people can find a comparable source, as you said, uh, in in Europe or wherever they are, that that would be helpful. But the EWG definitely, for those listening in the U.S., is a great resource. It talks about. The dirty dozen and the clean 15, which are the lists of items of produce, the dirty dozen that have the most pesticide residue and the clean 15 that have the least. So if you're deciding whether or not to buy something organic, you'll want to buy something organic off the dirty dozen list and the clean 15, it's not as critical that you uh, buy organic
0: No, And I think that's a good point because you mentioned earlier that even though organic is often great, it can be economically prohibitive for some people. And my understanding is not organic is comparable. For those of you that don't don't know, I was once married to a dairy farmer. (laughs) I don't do dairy very much, but um, I know that even organic in the UK certainly was a little bit dubious around the definition of that.
1: Got it. In the U.S., it's supposed to be uniform. the The USDA, the U.S. Department of Agriculture, certifies items of produce and um, also meats as organic. However, for me, I always look at, at the smell test. Um, and I know I have bought some chicken before, and my husband said, "Is this organic? Look at how big these." legs are like I don't think this is organic so like now when I look at things if it doesn't really look organic even though it has the organic label I don't I don't buy it and then you're right there are certain stores that proclaim to sell a lot of organic stuff I'm not going to name any names but uh, where I'm you know a little bit
0: skeptical yeah, it's a bit sort of loose that definition sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I think there are there are rules that can get you in there, um, but maybe aren't as strict as a really organic, dedicated farmer's produce might be.
1: Right, actually, I'm sorry, I was just going to mention one thing with natural. Actually, here in the states, that's not regulated. And that's where you not you're not sure what you're getting. So you can get something where it says natural on it, and this is usually for um, meat items or chicken, and it says natural, but you're not sure if it's really natural or people are just throwing on the label because it's not regulated. But I always talk tell people to really talk to their farmers. Because they're pretty honest, i found. If they use pesticides, they'll tell you. And if they don't, they won't. So you don't have to buy... Like, I would feel comfortable with a farmer that I've built a relationship with, that I trust. And it's not organic, but they're telling me these are the types of practices that they employ.
0: Exactly, exactly. And I think natural is a very loose term, as you said, and think having worked in marketing, we know that's kind of what we might politely call marketing puffery. So it right. can be a very nice term for it It sounds better than it really is. And of course, natural products can have a lot of additives and they can have a lot of sugars in them as well, can't they?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there, there's sugar in, in so many things that you wouldn't even think. I mean, there's sugar in ketchup.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think somebody described that to me as you know tomato jam, and that it was pretty right. far from a ketchup that you might have made in your own home.
1: Right, right.
0: Yeah, you mentioned dairy. This, that was one of the foods that you also eliminated. Dairy has some interesting um, positives and negatives, doesn't it? Because on the one hand, obviously, it's rich in calcium but it's often a food that can have an anti-inflammatory effect in the body. Am I correct?
1: Yeah, an inflammatory effect, right. I personally, I mean, dairy is one of those hot topics I don't always, you know, talk to people about because people feel very strongly about their ice cream and their butter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, But but I do, I have found, I mean, it is inflammatory. It also causes mucus in the body, so it's not something that I would recommend for people who have autoimmune disease, cancer, and generally speaking, I, like I don't think anyone should be eating dairy. But you know, I don't always uh, voice voice that opinion. For some people, it actually works, and there are some cultures that have dairy; they've had dairy in in their culture for you know generations and generations, and. For those people, it doesn't really affect them as much. But I've definitely noticed for me, even now. So I told you I've been symptom-free for 10 years. About five years ago, I went on vacation to my cousin's wedding. And of course, we were out late and ordered pizza. And I decided to have some pizza. I got blurred vision. Yes, so I definitely stay away from dairy.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and you are right. There are some cultures, like, I mean, I live here in Sweden, and if you were in a Nordic country or you were in Holland, people eat a tremendous amount of dairy there. And, you know, that would be eliminating something very uh, central to people's diet there. Uh, so it tend, although I've seen more non-dairy emerging here, it's certainly... At maybe a lower rate. And obviously, people in parts of Asia and even parts of Af- Africa can Africa, be very la- yeah. lactose intolerant, can't they?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. But you mentioned something else that was really important. You talked about the fact that as part of your journey to wellness was cutting back on the job you had or changing the job you had because of the stress. Stress plays an enormous role here, doesn't it, in the way you feel and also in particular within autoimmune disease um, management.
1: Absolutely. Stress can really trigger flares. So people who are going through autoimmune disease, diseases, or even other chronic illnesses, they have periods of time where they feel good. When I was Going through myasthenia, I felt pretty good. Is that that your dog? I felt pretty. I felt pretty good for periods of time. But then when I went through stressful periods, the symptoms would come on. And actually, sometimes the symptoms would be delayed. I remember there was a point where I worked two 300 hour months and in when you work at a law firm it's all about billable hours so that's not including when you're eating when you're going to the bathroom when you're talking to your mother these are you have to those are not billable hours so i worked two 300 hour months billable hours i was on medication i didn't experience any flares but about three weeks later I experienced blurred vision again, even though I was on medication and my doctor told me that the stress was effect was having a delayed effect on, on my, my body. So he also said that if he worked that much, he would get blurred vision, but,
0: (laughs) (laughs) But but it's, it's not unusual in, in law firms and it's not unusual if you were to work in healthcare and, and many, many industries, people do work like that. And, even in in cor- other corporate jobs, people can work a tremendous number of hours at, at certain times of the year. And you're right; there are, is often a delayed effect. You kind of you you're okay because you're on a high and you keep going, and then suddenly you stop and you crashed.
1: Right? Yeah, absolutely. That happened to me on several occasions. And if you do have a chronic illness, an autoimmune disease, it's Definitely important to employ stress relieving techniques that I didn't uh, really know about or I wasn't open to. My mom always told me, Do some deep breathing. And I would even tell her, I don't have time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I've heard that one before as well. I've heard people say, I say to them, Maybe try 10 minutes of meditation. They go, No, I don't have time. You don't have 10 minutes. You don't have 10 minutes. Everybody's got 10 minutes, I think. But in our heads, we're not making that time.
1: Right. It's it's really important. And I mean, that's why I think it's great. You know, the work that you're doing, the work that I'm doing, you know, bringing awareness to a lot of things that we can do. You know, I've, of course, listened to some of your other podcasts and you were talking about, yeah, just making, like you said, 10 minutes of, of meditating, but meditation as you mentioned, isn't necessarily everybody's thing, but you have to find something that works for you to relieve your stress.
0: Exactly. What What's your go to, Amy for um, relieving your stress?
1: It, it actually is meditation.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. But you're right. It isn't. It doesn't. Yeah. Listeners, we we would say to you, find something. You're right that. Works for you. So, yeah, it isn't everybody doesn't love it, but going for a walk, you know, sitting and doing some deep breathing, hugging your pet like my noisy dog, noisy dog here. <laughs> you know, but right. something that gives you a downtime is so important.
1: Right. The other thing actually that I'm more into meditation now, but the other thing that really helps me is exercising because I mean, that takes longer, but it gives me that high and I was able to exercise as much as possible when I was working those crazy hours. I mean, it was hard, uh, but I would make time whenever I could, especially when things were slow. But it, that really like gives me a high. I used to run. Now I have back issues, but running, uh, walking, like you said, and I think, you know, just going for like a mindful walk, you don't even have to break a sweat, but just being in nature and observing our surroundings, that's stress relieving for me and, you know, for other
0: people. Yeah, definitely. But we've had a very stressful year. Have you seen that impact on people who come to you either because they're unwell from an autoimmune perspective or other issues, this constant up and down of the pandemic?
1: Absolutely absolutely um people have been having more flares because of of the the stress and just uh just you know more issues people have been coming to me about self-care because like you said people have lost jobs people are taking care of kids like like me I have 3 year old twins and being teleworking with them and being a nanny to them. It has been uh, absolutely very stressful. So I've seen people coming to me about self-care and I've seen the uptick in flares and I've been recommending, you know, a lot of the things that we've talked about meditating, the walking, exercising, uh, one thing that I do recommend to people, although it's, it's probably not the best right now, depending on where you live and how uh, rampant COVID is, but acupuncture is great. But there's another technique that I talked about during menopause and mimosas, which is EFT, emotional freedom technique or tapping, where you tap on acupressure points and say certain statements. And that's been helpful for people who had a lot of anxiety, uh, during this very stressful time that we're living in.
0: Yes. And EFT is quite easy to learn to do yourself, isn't it?
1: It is. It is.
0: And do you actually teach EFT as part of your work?
1: I do. Uh, I do teach EFT. I'm, I'm definitely not an EFT practitioner. I, let me say, I will introduce people to EFT. So, I can do a round with them. I can show them where the tapping points are, and then I uh, point them to other resources to um, get you know, more in-depth information, or I refer them to EFT practitioners.
0: Yeah, and I've tried it a little bit, so I found that it was very helpful for me, not from merely a health perspective, but from a mindset perspective, when I was very stuck in a particular way or pattern of behaving, EFT really helped me to free that. And it was just a couple of sessions and I was able to move forward.
1: Yes, for me, I've noticed I haven't actually my aunt is an EFT practitioner. And I remember her also telling me about EFT when I was really going through myasthenia. And I think I was just sort of closed off at that point in my life. I was just saying, I'm taking my medicine. I don't know about all this other stuff you're talking about. but I personally haven't used it for pain and other physical symptoms, but it's really worked wonders for anxiety and stress for me. Definitely.
0: Definitely. And I think because uh, it can work and it can work for pain. I think a long time ago, I interviewed an EFT practitioner, on the podcast, and he's like extremely well known, and of course, now can't remember his name because that's what <laughs> happens. that's what he can't happen. But I right. remember that he was big on using EFT for for pain management and for serious illnesses, and I thought that was kind right. of really interesting that he really embraces as a holistic uh, solution alongside obviously other things like our diet and removing toxins from our bodies and our homes.
1: Right, absolutely. I I'm not saying it doesn't work for that. I just haven't used it. It I think it can work well for pain. My mom has back pain. Maybe I should use it for the back pain I've had, <laughs> but she uses it and it's been very beneficial for her. And I will say since you, you know, this is thriving to <laughs> menopause that it helps to relieve hot flashes. I found, and then you know, of course, the anxiety when you're going through menopause with you know some of the emotional issues. I think would be helpful for that as well.
0: Yeah, I totally agree that I think it could definitely play a very significant role because obviously some of the points aren't they really linked to our pain centers in our brain, to our emotional centers, and doing that obviously it shifts energy in the body. If I have understood EFT correctly.
1: Right. Yeah, because you are tapping on the acupressure points, which run on meridians or the, you know, the energy pathways. the
0: Yeah, exactly. Wow. So there's some really good things. Managing stress. And you're right. Acupuncture. We long for the end of COVID and we can come back to those of us that love acupuncture. That is so powerful. But I think we're going to have to wait till COVID ends for that, aren't we?
1: Yes, um, unfortunately, hopefully it will end soon.
0: I hope so too. But now we're heading into that interesting time of year that's that's Christmas, and we may have a different Christmas. But from a health perspective and a clean body living perspective, uh, this is a time when things can go a bit off track, aren't they?
1: <laughs> yes, definitely. I mean, maybe with the pandemic, as you said, we're not gathering as much and. You know everybody's not bringing a dessert, so it might be be a little bit different this or we'll year. do
0: or we'll do the opposite. We'll sit there and just eat, eat and it in our toes. but do you have any particular tips for my listeners on surviving Christmas as healthily and as cleanly as possible?
1: Yes, absolutely. I think there are so many different substitutions uh, that we can do, so you can still enjoy your apple pie or, you know, your sweet potato pie or whatever other dessert it is without putting all of the traditional ingredients in in it. For example, for us in the States, we had Thanksgiving just a couple weeks ago. And for me and my family, it was just us. So my husband and the kids and we, the twins. So it was just the four of us. And I really wanted, my mom always makes apple pie. So there's always apple pie, but we didn't get together with her. And I was thinking about making an apple pie as well. But I'm also, I have, even though I'm a health coach, I'm realizing I'm a health coach and not a weight loss coach. So (laughs) I've, I've gotten a little bit of COVID weight. So I was, you know, trying to do some things to, um, you know, make sure I wasn't getting all those calories in. And I decided to make an apple crisp as well I- instead. So instead of an apple pie with all the flour, I we had some oats on top of the apples. It was just apples and oats and just a little bit of flour on top. So that there those types of substitutions that you can make as well. As well, so that you're not, ingesting, you know, everything. And for me, I found that if we don't buy it, we're not going to eat it. So try to really plan ahead. I know we want to enjoy uh Christmas. I haven't figured out what I'm cooking or what we're doing for Christmas yet, but it will probably just be the family, of the four of us again. But I just thinking about Thanksgiving, I was thinking about making all of these different things. Well, one It would have been a lot of work for just me to do. But I decided, let's do some sweet potatoes. Some sweet potatoes with a little bit of olive oil, some Brussels sprouts. We had a chicken and the apple crisp. So it wasn't that whole spread that we're used to for Thanksgiving. And I think that we can do uh, the same type of thing. What I used to tell people when we were gathering Is, you know, pre-COVID, take a dish to when you're going to an event so that you know that there's going to be something healthy there for you to eat. So we can sort of translate the same concept at home and just try to bake. There I mean, there's so many sites out there, recipes where you can find a healthy holiday uh, uh, cooking where you can instead of white flour. You're doing, you could do a brown rice flour. Um, You know, make sure you're not putting as much sugar. Whenever, when I made the apple crisp, I cut the amount of sugar in in half. A lot of the recipes out there have so much sugar. Well, We talked about sugar a little bit. So whenever I'm making something from a recipe, I always, usually I do about two thirds and then realize after I make it that that's too much, that I should have done half the amount of sugar. So, just doing those sort of substitutions, making sure that you're not drinking your calories, staying hydrated you know there are a lot of holiday beverages that we we want to have that just have so many calories that really aren't don't have nutritional value, so just trying to you can make a nice iced tea in instead of something with the with more calories, but those are some of the things you can try to, you can do for the
0: holidays exactly i think that's just really good basic tips and I, as you said don't buy too much i think we have a tendency to shop like crazy like we're going under siege and and then once of course it's in the house we end up feeling obliged to, to eat it you know all the chocolates the the drinks the the, all the goodies, the baked goods, everything. And I think that's probably really good advice to not buy it and to, as you said, choose and make a simpler meal like the one you did for your Thanksgiving. If somebody wanted to start living more cleanly, what would be your advice or your top three tips for them to get started in this space?
1: I would say one is with your diet to just start where you are and then make one step, right? So if you're eating a lot of bagged and canned goods and food in boxes, processed foods, start to try to eat fresh. And if you can't make it to fresh, frozen is better than canned and boxed right? So then you start there. You make that one step. If you're eating frozen, try to go to fresh. And I still think that organic is queen. So then you want to, you know, move to organic, but do one, pick one thing and do one step. You don't, you don't have to go from eating processed foods to eating organic and, you know, 90% plant-based, right? I do think that most of us should be, well, I'd say all of us should incorporate more plant-based foods into our diets. A lot of diets, especially here in the U.S., are meat-based, dairy-based. And I'm not saying that people need to be 100% plant-based. But moving to a more plant-based diet is Ideal. Being plant based reduces your risk of cancer. It reduces your risk of heart disease, all of these different things. And those are all uh, heart disease in particular is one that uh, women are more at risk for in the postmenopausal years. So definitely eating more plant based and then exercising. I mean, exercising is definitely like exercise does the body good. I put a quote on my Instagram that movement is medicine uh, earlier this week because it really is. It reduces your risk of, you know, all these diseases. And as I mentioned, it gives you that high. So it really is a good antidepressant as well. And then the, the third thing I would say is to look at, become educated and really start reading those labels. But pick one area. If you start with food, then you can move to uh, body products or cleaning products. You don't have to change everything at one time, but really start becoming aware of those labels. As I mentioned before, the front label is information. And what I mean, sorry, the front label is is advertising. The back label is information. The front label will say, this is paraben free. And you're... You're thinking, oh, let me buy this. But then the back label says it has phthalates and all these other things in it. So start educating yourself and then start, you know, really reading those labels.
0: Yes. And finding alternatives that work for you.
1: Yes. Yes. Finding, yeah, those alternatives that that work. Because not, yeah, not everything's going to work. I mean, even take deodorant, for example traditional antiperspirant has aluminum in it, which has been linked to breast cancer. And you really want to move to a deodorant versus an antiperspirant if you can. But not every the deodorant that works for me might not work for you. So you have to figure out what actually works. I mean, we don't want uh, to use antiperspirant but we do want to smell nice as well
0: <laughs> we do so it it is a bit of trial and error in yeah, there isn't it, it? Is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's some great advice and i think as you said the ewg reports or similar are incredibly helpful yes
1: yes the ewg even has they'll rate certain rate the products, so you can they used to. I, they might still have it, but they used to have an app that where you could scan things, and you could scan it, and it would tell you how it was rated at the EWG. And I remember being at the supermarket just scanning like all these body products, and this lady was asking, "Do you need help?" I'm like, "No, I'm just like trying <laughs> to find."
0: <laughs> yes, they look at you a bit strangely. I think uh, when I lived in Australia, there was also an app that was similar. I don't know. You could scan but you could look at the app and then it would give you some information on what was better than or not so good. So they should be, I think it's probably a case of people searching on uh, Google and finding one that is, is, you know, apps or or organizations similar to the EWG that will help them from around the world. Absolutely. Amisita, how can people get in contact with you and learn more about the work that you do? Sure.
1: Thanks. I'm on social media at Clean Body Living. The name of my company is Clean Body Living. So Clean Body Living on Instagram, on Facebook and and Twitter. And my website is is cleanbodyliving.com. So you can head on over to my website to get some Uh, free goodies there as well.
0: That's wonderful. Amasita, thank you so much for coming on Thriving Through Menopause, sharing your story, and sharing some insights into how all of us can start to live a more clean and healthy life.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Clarissa.
0: Thank you for listening. If you have loved or liked this episode, then I would be deeply grateful if you would head over to iTunes and give it a five-star rating. My mission is to reach as many women as possible, menopausal midlife women who may be feeling alone and asking questions, why do I feel this way? Thriving Through Menopause is all about a community and our collective wisdom. You matter to me. Your feedback, opinions, and stories matter to me. And I would love to hear from you. So drop me an email, clarissa at clarissachristiansen.com. I genuinely want your feedback and your ideas on the topics that you would like to hear more of on this podcast. And if you are a woman who feels that they are struggling alone through menopause and you need more support, pop over to my website, clarissachristiansen.com. You can find free resources, And you can book a one-to-one discovery call with me. Let's start conversation. Thank you once again for listening. The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Earn great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. Learn more online at cbp.gov slash career slash usbp. The is it morning yet deal? How about now?
1: Or now? Because morning time is McDonald's breakfast time. And that's the best time
0: of all the times. Get any sized iced coffee for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. and sweeten the deal when you pair it with a baked apple or pumpkin and creme pie. After all, why wait to treat yourself? Prices and participation may vary, cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.